Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Support WrestleTalk. Give us a subscribe. Hey everybody, I'm John Cena. Hey, it's professional wrestler Colt Boom Boom Cabana. Hey, I'm Double J Jeff here. And this is Rich Swan, Matt Riddle, the King of Rose. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Do it, bro. Support Ollie. Support Luke. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Home of Luke Owen. Whatever Wrestle Talk is, and whoever Luke Owen is, support the Ravens. Nevermore. Wrestle Talk. Hello and welcome to the Wrestle Talk podcast. I am Luke Owen and I'm joined, as I always am on a Friday, it's the best day of the week by Denise Salcedo. Hi, Denise. Fridays is the best day of the week. <laughs> Even though, oh no, it is now Friday for you, isn't it? Because you're now Friday morning. Yes, it's Friday already for me, so it counts. You know, Friday, <laughs> I'm in love. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you got, you, the love the cure. you got the reference. Oh yeah, no, love the cure. Um, Robert Smith's got a new song out with Gorillaz. Anyway, right, let's uh, dive into the show here because we're going to be talking about WWE and their relationship with talent and their relationship with Twitch. We've got the AEW and NXT and a very long mailbag episode. So do enjoy. Here's the show. A big news story of the week. And this is kind of one that's been sort of going on for a little while now. It's got reported a few weeks back. And that is that WWE are looking to take control of their talents, their independent contractors, Twitch accounts, their cameos, this, that, and the other. And I think this probably stems from the fact that it's probably within their contract that WWE owned their Twitter accounts and their Instagram accounts. So they're probably just going to be like, okay, well, we also should own their Twitch accounts as well. We should also own any cameos and any sort of money that they are making outside of their WWE contracts. And Wrestling Inc. have posted the latest update on this, uh, which reads, In September, McMahon issued an edict instructing talent they could no longer engage with third parties. The company later clarified the edict, stating the talent could maintain Twitch and YouTube accounts under their real names. However, they would need to inform the company of these accounts. Wrestling Inc. has also learned that the talent were told this week that the company will be taking control of their Twitch account in four weeks' time. WWE will own those accounts. However, talent will receive a percentage of the revenue, which counts against their downside guarantees. Uh, so we've seen sort of in the past week, uh, Roderick Strong announced yesterday that he is leaving Cameo, um, and he joins Roman Reigns, Matt Riddle, Bobby Fish, and Ron Killings, who've also left Cameo. Um, and WWE will own Twitch accounts, um, which includes the likes of Ember Moon, Adam Cole, Mia Yim, Dakota Kai, Zelina Vega, and Andrew Yang, uh, former presidential candidate Andrew Yang, who's been very, very, like, in on this story, posted that this would be infuriating to me if I had spent time building up my social media channels only to have WWE take them down from their independent contractors. People are angry, and rightfully so. Denise, what do you make of all this? 
Oh man, this is such a complicated situation. I mean, on one hand, coming from an aspect of somebody who's a creator, somebody that's on YouTube and knows the struggle of everything that it takes to, you know, putting something up, promoting it, and just kind of, you know, getting all of that going. I can't necessarily be in favor of, you know, not being able to have that creative aspect, that creative ability. And so just kind of hearing everything that's going down with all of this, like, I get it if, you know, they are using their their on-screen WWE names. Okay, I get it. That's, you know, obviously that's a character that they're promoting on WWE television. That's a name that they've invested in. I get all that. But I do think that maybe people should have the option of, you know, doing it with their real name and then having it be its own separate entity or, you know, doing it with their character name, then, okay, definitely be under this, you know, WWE umbrella. I'm not very familiar with how Twitch works, but I do know that YouTube, you can be a part of a, you know, a management group. Cause I know a lot of YouTubers have those sorts of deals where, yeah, they have their own channel and it's under their name, but they may be under, you know, management with somebody else. And I know that's a big thing that they do in on YouTube. And so I would definitely see that with WWE, them doing something like that, especially if they're using the character name. But I do think that people should, especially if they're independent contractors, they should have the option to, have it just be themselves just have it be their real name and it, it's a little bit crazy and I, I it's just it's a very complicated situation and it's and it's getting it's getting kind of ugly especially you know now that andrew yang is sort of putting this you know emphasis on it you know for a long time there's certain things that can sort of you know go under the go under the rug they, they're necessarily they're they can go hidden they can they don't have to be oh, yeah. absolutely exploited especially in the news or in mainstream media or anything like that like things could go you know really below the radar with wwe but you know obviously he's definitely putting an emphasis on this and now that he has supporters and you know people that are like yes he's doing something about it it's definitely something that is going to come up but i am curious as to how this will affect not just wwe but all wrestling companies once you know this gets this gets put out there even more yeah it is it's 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 kind of a real difficult situation for us to talk about because we are not in this uh, in the positions of Adam Cole and Mir Yim and all these people who are running their Twitch accounts. We don't really know sort of the ins and outs of everything and sort of how they're feeling about this. But I think from a sort of a personal standpoint, if I was particularly in this year where we've been in the middle of a pandemic and to kind of explain broadly how a downside guarantee works as best as I understand it, because it is a really, really complex thing to understand. As best I understand it is if I, and this was explained brilliantly on Twitter by uh, Trevor Dame, you should all follow, he's excellent. Uh, if you sign a contract for $200,000 a year and you then have your merchandise and your live ticket gates and things like that, percentage of that goes towards that 200,000. But if your merch and everything only equates to 100,000, WWE have to give you another 100,000 to make up that 200,000 downside guarantee. The idea being is that 200,000 is your base level and you would oversell your merchandise, you would oversell on tickets and this that, and the other. So you would make more than that 200,000, right? I think that that's the way that it, it broadly it works. So if I am a wrestler in this pandemic where I'm not going to be selling as much merch, I'm not going to be getting a, a cut of ticket sales because there are no ticket sales at the moment. And I'm looking at that downside guarantee. It's like, well, I want to try and make as much money on top of that in an outside realm 
to make sure that I've got enough money coming in so that I can buy groceries and I can pay my bills and, and this, that, and the other. Yeah. So my understanding of, of how this works. So essentially, let's say, I don't know, you signed a $75,000 one year contract deal and you're doing this Twitch thing. And I don't know, on Twitch, you make $10,000 that def that counts towards that. So essentially WWE doesn't have to pay you those $10,000 because you already essentially made it with Twitch. And that is the part where I'm just like, man, that's insane because I mean, think about it. it. Let's say somebody just makes a whole lot of money on Twitch. I mean, I don't know how much money, you know, they're, the talent is making, to be honest. I have no idea if it even is a big amount or it's a small amount, if it's an amount that's worth it. I don't know. But if you think about it, like if it's a large number like that, and then you that's sort of taken away from you, it's kind of like you're sort of working for free you know when you That's go it, and you do yeah. your regular job with wwe so that is a very complicated situation to be in so i almost think that you know maybe the talent has to sort of analyze whether or not it's worth it for them to stay on twitch again i would know a lot better if i knew what kind of money and what kind of amount we were talking about here but because i don't know that i don't necessarily want to say like oh just leave twitch or stay on twitch it's worth it or it's not worth it i don't know but it's just it's it's pretty insane and i'm and i'm thinking yeah. like honestly i do think that you know with this new age of media i mean we have tiktok we have youtube we have so many different in twitch we have so many different ways where people can uh can just become so popular and like let's say i don't know one of zelina vega she just absolutely explodes on twitch you know the fact that she can grow on a certain platform it can help give eyes and give more public attention to pro wrestling in general. So I think if anything, have the talent out there, you know, exposing themselves so that more people could be like, oh, you know, I like the Zelina Vega person. Oh, she's a wrestler. Let me find out about that because there's still so many people that aren't wrestling fans. And so I just really think that if anything, social media and TikTok and all of this stuff can help, you know, just keep bringing along those new eyeballs into the product. But then again, that's, you know, everybody has a different mentality when it comes to that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's interesting you mentioned the the Andrew Yang thing because, you know, he's been posting about this and this is not the first time he's posted about it. When this news first came out, like I posted up on Twitter, like wrestling and WWE in particular are lucky that no one gives an F about wrestling in the mainstream world. Like, because this is bonkers news because this is essentially a company saying, like the independent contractor thing doesn't work anyway. Like as soon as you put it under any form of scrutiny, the whole thing falls apart. They're not independent contractors because they work exclusively for one company. So they're not independent. And now you are taking these independent contractors, big air quotes, Bucky O'Hare is for independent contractors. And you are saying, and the money that you're making outside of this, you cannot make anymore. You're only going to make a portion of it. And it's actually going to count towards your wage that we are supposed to be paying you as a contractor. And like Andrew Yang, you know, he was the first person who is a, is a former presidential candidate. He is working towards being part of the Biden-Harris, um, you know, should they win the, the presidential election in November. He wants to be part of their team. And he has said that one of the things he's going to do is going to be going after McMahon and WWE and looking into this. This is something that like in six months time, we could be looking at this story being a huge, huge change in the way that WWE operates in terms of hiring their staff and paying their talents.
Exactly. And so I'm obviously, you know, we can't speculate who's going to win the election or who's going to do what Mm -hmm. or all of that stuff. But my theory is like, I started kind of just trying to, you know, think if I was in the situation, I would sort of start making these changes now so that let's say, you know, Biden, Biden does win. And, you know, maybe right now they're counting on the fact that Donald Trump might win. And so, you know, they're a little bit more in favor uh, on that end there. So if, you know, you don't want to have Biden win and then all of a sudden have to start making these changes out of nowhere because you know that they're going to start, you know, somebody like an Andrew Yang is going to start, you know, heading towards you and looking at mm-hmm. you and pointing all fingers at you. I would rather start to make the changes now. But then also, I feel like the last couple of weeks, we've been hearing different things. We've been hearing, oh, WWE has decided this. Oh, now they've decided this. And a lot of the information has been unclear or it hasn't really, we haven't had all of our questions answered so i do think that things may be changing but at the same time it's like all right vince said for four weeks correct four weeks and he's going to own people's twitch's account unless they like part from twitch correct so it's like okay we have an official date we have a time frame now so it's like what on earth is going to happen so at this point I'm thinking to myself, if I was a talent, I probably wouldn't even see Twitch as being worth it for me anymore. Or I would tell people, yeah. sure, come follow me on Twitch, but don't give me any money, which is pretty <laughs> crazy, right? Because I want to make yeah. the money that I'm supposed to make for the work that I'm already doing. Oh, yeah. I, I, From a personal standpoint, like I think it really sucks for talents, particularly if this is something that they really enjoy doing. Like if you are like Adam Cole loves being on Twitch, you know, you can you've watched his streams. He absolutely loves being on there. And he has got this sort of like community of, of people that, that he kind of works with. He does a lot of stuff with um, former Quizlemania contestant Cram Booba. And I, I think if you are now looking at being like, ah, it's kind of sucks because I love doing this. But the money that I'm making from this isn't actually really going to be going into my pocket because a portion of it is going to this other company that have they're not doing anything to kind of facilitate the work that I'm doing here. I'm doing the work and they're taking the money for it. I think that that really would make me, like you say, second guess why I'm doing this, like why I'm spending my spare time doing this anymore. And that sucks for them because it's something they enjoy. But it also sucks for the audience that they feel that enjoy watching that. Exactly. And I mean, we could get into all the ins and outs of, you know, being an independent contractor. I'm an independent contractor. I've been an independent contractor for the last five years. And I got to say, as much as it has its ups and downs and its benefits and its perks, I love it because you get to do whatever you want. You get to work with whoever you want. And I do like because I come and have lived this independent contractor freelance life, it's, it's very hard for me to be like, oh, well, they shouldn't do this or they shouldn't do that because it's such a hard thing to give up. You know, for me, if Mm -hmm. I ever had to, you know, give up my, you know, freedom like this, it would be a very hard decision because of all the time that I have, you know, invested into my work and it's just it you really start to think about things differently when you start to put yourself in that position and what would happen. Absolutely, 100%. Uh, yeah, let us know what you think in the comments down below. Because uh, I think this is a really interesting topic and I'd really like to get people's uh, opinions on this. Um, moving over to the ratings war, the Wednesday night ratings war, it does continue. And according to Triple H, it is going to still continue. The move to Tuesday that was rumored for NXT probably might be off the table now. He's quite headstrong on staying on uh, Wednesday nights. But AEW was slightly up from last week, drew 80, uh, sorry, 866,000 viewers with a 0.33 in the demo ratings. And NXT was also up 
to 732,000 with a 0.19. Combined, this is important, combined resting audience of 1.598 million viewers was the highest on the nights when both shows aired since Wednesday, August 4th. And they did have stiff competition last night. There was the uh, the NBA finals between the Lakers and Miami Heat, which did a 2.9 uh, rating. And South Park also had that pandemic special, which drew 2.2 million viewers. I think it was like one of the highest rating sort of demo things uh, that was on that night. So yeah, they had really, really tough competition. And Dave Meltzer tweeted out an interesting note from last night's rating. Both AEW and NXT did great numbers for the first 30 minutes, but when the NBA pre-show started, both fell big. Ricky Starks versus Darby Allen did huge, which is really, really interesting. Yeah, you know what? I mean, I... That match was fantastic, by the way. It was a mm -hmm. great opener, but it's not something that you would have expected just, you know, just by hearing the match of who's going to be in it or anything like that. Just like hearsay, you wouldn't know. But when the match actually started, it was fantastic. But honestly, I thought that both AEW and NXT both had really good shows combined. And um, sorry, my audio got a little weird. But... All right. So, yeah, like, honestly, both shows went really well. And I thought they both did. Uh, I thought NXT was a great go-home show, you know, for NXT TakeOver 31 this Sunday. And AEW, they did a lot of great stuff on their show as well. I thought that FTR-SCU match was absolutely awesome. And did you like, like it? I didn't like I, it. You didn't like it? No. Well, it's not like, oh, like, oh, I hate it or anything like that. I just didn't feel like <laughs> it was that great. I just thought it was just like a regular match. I feel like I've seen so many great SCU match. So maybe I hold them up to a different standard now. Yeah. I was going to, I think it's me and Ollie were talking about this in our review yesterday, but it's, um, like, if, because I've been watching him for so long, I always forget how good Frankie Kazarian is. Like, he is, like, he's an incredible wrestler, but like, I, I feel like I've just got used to him. Like, whenever I see him on screen, I'm like, oh, it's Frankie Kazarian. I know I'm going to get a good match here. And then he goes out and has these great matches. I'm like, oh, yeah, he's legit one of the best. He's so, so great. And I mean, you can say that too about Daniels and Sky. And I just like, right. I've said this, but like, dude, seriously, they have, they still have so much more that they can do with Scorpio Sky. Like, I feel oh, yeah. like he's one of those guys that just has been completely underutilized, like for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, really good week. Have you, uh, give me your big one bold prediction for TakeOver 31. Okay, so my bold prediction, maybe it's not that bold, but my prediction <laughs> is that I do see Candice LeRae becoming NXT Women's Champion. I just have this gut feeling that it might happen. This might be the moment. And I'm assuming maybe, just maybe we'll see Io Shirai go to Raw or SmackDown. Now, obviously, we don't know if NXT is technically part of this draft situation, but, you know, anything can really happen. So, so I wouldn't put it past that being an, uh, an actual thing that could happen. Dude, I've got the exact same thing down. I've got both the Garganos to win. I've got Johnny beating Priest and I've got Candice beating. I, I think those two, as a partnership being like double champ, I think that'd be really fun. I think the Garganos holding the mid cut. You don't see I both. Don't see it. I don't see both. No, I don't see Johnny Gargano. I just think that Damian Priest needs the belt so much more. And he really just he really just got it, honestly, well, obviously. I know, yeah. But I just I don't see Johnny Gargano actually needing the belt. Yeah, maybe you're right. I have gone big on that. Um, anyway, right, let's get into your mailbag. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Do you like board games? Then you'll love Phenomenerds, a channel all about the best board games your money can buy. Do you not like board games? Then you'll love Phenomenerds, a channel all about why you're fucking wrong. If the only game you've played is Monopoly, a bad game, with your family, a bad family, we're here to show you all the good times you and your friends are missing out on. We'll teach you the different types of board games out there, great ones to start your collection, how to host games night, how to teach your friends rules, we'll have deep dives into classic games, crazy stories from board gaming history, drunk board gaming, and so much more. At Phenomenerds, we consider it our sacred duty to get you into the greatest hobby in the world, no matter what level you currently are. So subscribe to Phenomenerds now and get on board. Uh, if you want to submit a question to the mailbag, all you got to do is become one of our awesome pledgehammers on Patreon at any dollar amount and leave a comment in the community section. Do not email me. I will just lose it. Uh, we've got a ton of mailbag questions to get through this week. Uh, first up from Robert Ray, who says, do you think Orton's run this year has proved he is one of the best characters and heels ever? I finally think he's won me over as I consider Orton one of the best characters now uh, with the work he's done from the legend killer in 0304 to the psychotic character in 0809 and currently a mixed bag of both. What do you think? 
you know what? So like a few years ago, like people were always like, oh, Randy Orton's so great. Randy Orton's so great. And I think my unpopular opinion was that I was never really a Randy Orton fan. I never got the Randy Orton hype. And yeah, I enjoyed a lot of his work, but I was never really like that big of a fan, you know? But I think after what he's been doing this recent year, like I'm seeing him so differently now and I'm engaged in everything that he's doing. I'm liking what he's done with Edge. I'm liking what he's done with Drew McIntyre. And so I gotta say, he sort of swayed my opinion too so i i agree with our with our listener on that one where i feel like i'm seeing randy orton in a different light here um in terms of being the best heel or doing the best character work i think that's very subjective because it really just depends on the person but as but but i do think that he is doing some of the best work throughout any promotion in terms of like if you're single-handedly picking up picking guys out he's doing some of the best across not just wwe but across every other promotion yeah and i don't think i've ever really talked about this on uh, the podcast before and you know the near four years i've been doing this but i have also had that unpopular opinion i've always thought that randy orton is boring so boring i've never liked a randy orton match like from when I start, when I got back into wrestling in sort of 0405, I always thought Orton was so boring. My mate, my house, uh, my housemate at university was like desperate for him to beat the Undertaker at Mania because he was like, need to give him the Legend Killer, like he, the Legend Killer needs to break the streak. And I was like, oh god, I hope he doesn't. He's so dull. And I've kind of held on to that until last year. Last year was the first time where I was like, oh, actually, yeah, this Randy kid's pretty good. You know, it's taken me a little while to come around. But man, I've always thought he was so boring. He has, he's got one match in him. And yeah, I've never liked him, really. It's never so liked him as a crazy face, never liked him as a heel. How we thought the same thing on this one. And it's not something that very many people think because everybody's usually like, yes, Randy Orton, I'm all here for it. And so I'm actually pretty surprised that we had the same like prior opinion of Randy Orton. Oh, yeah, you know when the commentary, like JBL, if you could build a wrestler from the ground up, he would look like Randy Orton. I was like, no, he, he bloody wouldn't, because he's dead boring. Triple H in interviews being like, he's one of the greatest of all time. I was like, I don't get it. Absolutely, I don't get it. But now, do you know what? I think the last year or so, particularly, I thought the stuff he did in 2019 with Jeff, I thought was great. And this year, he has been so, so good. Yeah, really, really good. But I won't say he's one of the best of all time. Uh, Frank Patello said, if you were friends with a wrestler and were invited to dinner to meet that wrestler's family, what wrestler's family would you like to meet for dinner? Oh, that's a good one. You know what? Be, Who would you your pick be? I was going to say be mad awkward now, but Roman Reigns? Because, like, if you got together for, like, a big, like, Anawaii family, and, like, you know, every, like, all of that Samoan dynasty being together, like, and just sharing memories and talking about their time, basically, you know, just controlling the, the Samoan wrestling industry for the last 50 years, that would be mad interesting. Yes. You know what? I had a different answer, but I kind of like your answer better. So mine was originally, mine was so dumb. So the first idea that came <laughs> into my mind was like, okay, well, if I say like Stephanie, that counts as all the McMahons, but that one's a pretty obvious answer. So I'm going to try to think of something different. And then I was like, well, we've been seeing the Mysterio family a lot, but I don't know if that's necessarily the family that I would pick. So I was going to say the Mysterio family, but then when you came up with this, I was like, nah, I, I change. I'm, I'm going to go with Roman Reigns too. I'm stealing your answer on this. This one i'll allow it uh owen um when you guys say that wwe thinks um something is good do you mean vince or is it more of a broad term to describe backstage officials for example uh, you said in last week's mailbag show that wwe think the retribution are cool do you think that vince 
thinks retribution is cool. Yeah, I kind of like I I think I use it sort of as a broad term. It's sort of like the the head creative people, so Vince and Bruce and whoever else is in Vince's inner circle, like Kevin Dunn. That is kind of what I see as like whenever I say WWE think this is cool, that's kind of it's Vince's inner circle is usually what I'm referring to. I agree. I had the same thing, Vince and Kevin Dunn. That's what I would say. So, but yeah, I feel sometimes though when I say like broad, like you, like what you said, broad WWE. Sometimes you add imaginary people in your brain, but it's really just like this core group. Yeah, uh, L. Do you think there will ever be anyone as over as the Undertaker? This is fascinating by the way the reason i ask is i met my 10 year old nephew for the first time since i started seeing his aunt they live in rural ireland when i asked him what he wanted to be when he grew up he said a wrestler like the undertaker and he's only been watching for the last six months or so this kid is 10 he's only been watching for six months and his favorite wrestler is the undertaker Undertaker hasn't even been around like we haven't seen him since the boneyard match and like really that like we didn't see him much before then either is he watching the last ride is he watching old stuff that's so interesting i would think he would have to be watching old stuff right because it's not like yeah. you're going to tune into raw or smackdown right now and see the undertaker and in the last six months i'm gonna assume he's probably well i don't know what he's watching maybe old youtube clips on the network that's very incredible Wow, that only shows that only goes to show that they're I mean, the Undertaker cannot be duplicated whatsoever. We're never gonna have another Undertaker. Whether or not he's the best character, again, that's subjective because everybody has different opinions on that. But I will say this there will never be another Undertaker. Absolutely, yeah. No, and, and I can kind of like I've told the story though, I wasn't allowed to watch wrestling when I was a kid, and I, I did get that WWF sticker book in like 1994 that my parents made me return. But the the character that I was always drawn to with the Legion of Doom and the Undertaker, like I thought the Undertaker was so cool. And my friends had Royal Rumble on the Mega Drive, and I would always play as the Undertaker because I thought he looked the coolest. So I, I I totally get it, and I yeah maybe like you're so anyway we'll never have another Undertaker like someone who has that 30 year legacy of the same character like just doing the same thing. Um, yeah, uh, I, I I can't even answer. I, I, but I don't think it will everyone be anyone quite like that ever again. Um, Nikolai says, hi, just became a pledge hammer. Can't wait to listen to the all in review. Hope you enjoy it. Um, uh, we had a blast recording it. Absolutely love the channel. Thank you for all the content. We wanted to ask this for a while. What is your wrestling pet peeve? Mine is when wrestlers break up a pin during a tag team or a multi-person match and they just hit the person pinning them without moving the other person. It really <laughs> breaks my immersion because they're still on top of them and both shoulders are still on the ground, so the pin should still be counted. Yes, like... <laughs> That's yep, very totally specific. Very specific. But I, I totally get it. It's, you know, it's the same people as like, I can't get past the Irish whip because if you run against the ropes, the momentum is not going to carry you back. You would just hit those ropes and stop. Like, I, I, so I totally get it. But I think it's just one of those wrestling things. I've never really thought about it. But like, you're, you're absolutely right. Like the shoulders are still down, technically. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, wait, so what's your pet peeve? Because I think mine, mine is, mine is the DQ finishes when they're trying to protect both guys, especially because oh, yeah. we've been seeing so much of that, that it kind of takes away from, you know, a definitive win. And I want definitive wins, definitive answers. So that would be yeah. mine, but what's yours? Oh my, I, I cannot agree with you more. Like getting DQ'd for kicking too much ass is one of my least favorite things in the world. Oh, so, so annoying. Um, I mean, me and Ollie have always talked about this. It's wrestlers coming out and introducing their own video packages. Um, Yes. Like, 
I, I, I yeah, it really irritates me. I've, I've got no idea why it annoys me so much, but it really does. Uh, Flaming Clive, uh, Luke, you're a Mega Drive fan. Uh, I'm also one, but one of the greatest games ever on the system is Shining Force with Shining Force 2, two of the best games on the system. Uh, these games that needed to come up in the mainstream so they can have a resurgence. Thoughts? The question is, why don't people like tactic-based games like Shining Force and Fire Emblem? It's because Final Fantasy Tactics killed all other games, past and future. Fascinating question there, Flaming Clive. Um, I mean, I think Shining Force and Shining Force 2 did get the recognition they deserved, particularly sort of like from Genesis fan base and from the you know, RPG fans, I would say certainly. Um, as a request to why people don't like tactic-based games, I just think they never really got a foothold here in the West, like a mainstream popular thing here in the, in the West, particularly in the 90s when like games like Shining Force were out. Funny enough, my other podcast that I do is reviewing this uh, TV show from the 90s uh, that's about video games. And they recently did an episode where they reviewed Final Fantasy 2, which I think is Final Fantasy 4 in Japan. And they absolutely slated it. Did not like it at all. But like that's you know considered to be a really great game. But like here in the West, like it's just those games never really got that foothold in the '90s, and it took until Final Fantasy VII, I would say, that they've got sort of mainstream appeal. Um, so I would say maybe maybe that's why. Denise, are you a video game fan? Are you a player? No, you got to know that everything that you just said to me, uh, that you just said right now on air, sounded like a foreign language. I was like, I have no idea what he's <laughs> talking about. I mean, I understood half of what you said and i don't even under think i understood it properly but i was like you know what good for him <laughs> do your thing but i have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> i'm not a gamer i'm like the i i feel like gaming is so popular and i'm so uncool for not being a gamer but even when i was a kid i wasn't interested my cousins always wanted to play with me and i was like sure i'll do one game but after that i don't want to play anymore <laughs> you rolling your eyes at your cousin oh god yeah i'll give yeah. you one go oh, well, yeah. i felt bad for my my cousin because he was by himself so he would play video games Aww. by himself and you know there's games where you want to play with somebody else and i'd be like oh i just want to play barbies leave me alone <laughs> <laughs> oh what was your favorite barbie oh my god i don't know if i had a favorite one but i had i had i had like hundreds of barbies when i was a kid Oh, like yeah? hundreds that was my thing i was a barbie girl living in a barbie world so, <laughs> <laughs> honestly so I, I i'm not kidding you okay so freshman year of high school my teacher would make fun of me because we were like good friends and she literally had a nickname for me you will not believe what my nickname was you want to know what my okay, nickname was i, 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 I want to hear it here from my teacher my creative writing teacher she would call me barbie.com because I would go on Barbie.com as a freshman in high school and play the games because they had games where you basically like style up the dolls and oh my god it was so bad but anyways that's what I did freshman year and then I finally grew out of it once I got into MySpace. <laughs> when I got into MySpace that's when I grew out of Barbie. Yeah and then I, I discovered boys and yeah things changed. <laughs> that's the truth. That's the truth. MySpace broke me. <laughs> Uh, my wife's um always talks about like she and she has like very very fond memories of her she had the baywatch ones um the, oh, the, the baywatch so she was a barbie girl did. too oh she was very much a barbie girl living in a barbie world um i got some heat yesterday for saying that i liked the wap by cardi b and um i'm also maybe i'll get some heat for this i think that barbie girl by aqua is also a bit of a low-key banger that's a great little song that's a great little party song that's yes funny. cannot yes. deny it cannot deny <laughs> anyway wrestling uh dwayne the gronk johnson says <laughs> this is um, gonna turn into a barbie podcast people are gonna be like what is this junk why are you talking about barbies <laughs> <laughs> it happens um 
it happens. Uh, you've got to talk about Barbies. Um, oh, if you haven't seen it, the the Toys That Made Us episode on Barbies, uh, which is on Net it's a Netflix show. Um, it's uh, it's really really good. It takes you through the entire history of the Barbie brand. Fascinating stuff. I actually interviewed a guy who worked uh, for the Barbie brand for a long time, Tom Kalinsky, because he then moved over to Sega um, to like run uh, uh, Sega of America with the like the, and basically save the Genesis. Um, but yeah, very, very interesting man. They were going to do a Barbie movie in the early 90s or the late 80s, early 90s. They had like a script written and everything, songs. It was going to be a musical. They had songs written for it and everything. They were all ready to go. And the reason why it never got off the ground, at least it's what Tom Kalinske told me, the reason it never got off the ground is Mattel was so protective of the Barbie brand that they didn't want the actor playing Barbie to have a scandal down the line because they didn't want that actor to be known as Barbie actor so-and-so caught in doing whatever. So they were so worried that anything could happen that would affect the Barbie brand that they just scrapped the entire movie. That is insane. But you know what? Good for them because you know it was going to happen. But man, I would have been so on board with that movie. I would have <laughs> gone to the theaters to watch it. But you just know that now in 2020, I can almost guarantee that Barbie movie would have been very prob problematic. Well, they're doing one at the moment I, with I uh, Rebel. I think it's Rebel Wilson uh, is playing Barbie. I'm pretty sure it's Rebel Wilson. Oh, I don't I know. But did you ever watch Life Size with Tyra Banks and Lindsay Lohan? Oh, I did not know. Oh my god, that was my movie. <laughs> I cried so hard in that movie. If anybody watched Life Size, like that was my movie. I'm gonna check that one out. Um, also, final thing on that. The fall of the the fall of the Barbie movie indirectly led to the Street Fighter movie in 1994. So the same producer went across to the because he the Barbie movie fell apart, so he was like, "I need another project. I'm going to go and do the Street Fighter movie instead." Fun fact: I've written a book about it. Anyway, Dwayne the Gronk Johnson says, "I wanted to ask you guys, who do you think will be the person to end Drew McIntyre's title run?" Personally, and unfortunately, I think it's going to be Brock Lesnar when WWE's Thunderdome deal expires and they move to their reported new location. In order for them to pop a quick rating, Brock Lesnar will beat Drew. Who do you guys think Drew will drop the belt to? I'm going to say I don't know yet just because I do think that he should have the belt. I'm going to say until next year. I don't know if maybe all the way till WrestleMania, but definitely into next year. So I feel like given that I think that he's going to have the belt for such a long time. I still don't know who might actually take that belt away from him. But I don't know if it should be Brock Lesnar, though. I just don't feel like that should who it should be. I think it should be somebody that would actually benefit from beating Drew to become champion. So I guess it just depends on who gets built up really well. Yeah, I think we're going to know a bit more after the draft, but like I'm I'm a bit concerned that we're moving into a third month of this Randy Orton feud and a potential third match between the two of them. Like that that does concern me somewhat because like I'm I'm I think I'm over that feud now. I think we've we're done. I think we're time to move past that. But really, Drew hasn't got any other big challenges. Like he left doesn't have the anybody. There's no one. So like yeah, Brock kind of makes sense in in that that regard so i think once we've seen the draft we can see where the pieces in place are that's where i think we can get a better picture of like who it could be to be drew because at this point i don't think it should be randy like i don't want to see randy beat him on his third try inside hell in the cell and because then surely you've got to do a fourth match and like that's i think that that's overkill at that point did you think at class of champions at their uh at the end of their ambulance match that that was the end that that yes. was going to be the closure because I really totally. thought that I didn't I didn't think we were going to be seeing like a hell in a cell. I didn't think that we were going to be seeing Randy Orton beat up the legends right after you know at the end of Raw. I wasn't expecting any of that. 
Yeah, so same here. Uh, Chris Gardner, after watching Roman versus Jake, got me thinking, when did WWE make you the most uncomfortable in the right way when watching something? Roman feels so more dangerous and badass thanks to that match for me. That's a really good question. And I can't think from WWE, I can't think of a match where I felt like uncomfortable in a good way. Um, like, you know, being like, oh my God, I'm, I'm concerned for this character being in this ring and, and doing this. I don't know because like, yeah, that's a really tough question. I guess that's Foley, really but, then I feel, that, but it feels too real to say Foley inside Hell in the Cell because like that watching that match makes me feel uncomfortable in a bad way because that makes me feel like, oh, we should probably be just be stopping this now. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think I've ever had uncomfortable in a good way, but in a bad way, yes. And most recently, I would say, was uh, the last AEW pay-per-view where we had Matt Hardy just, you know, land his head right on the concrete. That was uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable for, like, the rest of the night after that. So when I think uncomfortable, that's the memory that pops into my head, my most recent one. And, but not uncomfortable in a good way though. I don't have an answer for that one. Honestly, I don't have an answer either. Let us know in the comments down below if you can think of a good answer for that. Because that's a great question, Chris. What a great match that was, though. Um, the Roman J match, not. Yeah, Sammy I was going to say, say Sammy, Sammy, Matt oh, Hardy, what? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. That was that was very bad. That took the wind out of everyone's sails. Yeah. Uh, the end up two. Should AEW promote the IWGP championship match between Moxley and Kenta? Heard Moxley lives in, uh, sorry, I've heard Kenta lives in Florida, so it might make it easy. I mean, he's over in Japan at the moment. Um, also, Moxley may drop the AEW title by the time the G1 wrap, wraps up, so Kenta can win without beating their champion. I know the US title means nothing, but it seems like a good opportunity to finally open that forbidden portal. Well, the ad now, too. Um, with Harold Mage now uh, having left New Japan, uh, Sean was actually just talking about this on uh, Fightful Select, that he firmly believes that with Harold out of the picture, the the potential for working relationships between New Japan and Impact and AEW is much easier now. So it could be something that we might see down the line. You know what? I'm going to have to disagree with my good friend, Sean Ross Sapp. I'm going to say I don't see it happen. Okay, so first of all, in terms of whether or not they should uh, be promoting the Moxley match, I'm going to say no, just because he's your world champion. So why are you going to promote a title match in which he's defending necessarily a mid-card title? Plus, I really don't think that... I think New Japan is going to hold you know their issues that they had with aew they're going to hold those issues and i just don't see them necessarily letting it go that easily and just forming up this new you know bond or relationship or whatever i i'm not as optimistic about it yeah i i yeah I, perhaps I, I will agree with you on that one uh, drew porter hey guys first time i've sent a question for months watching clash of champions it came to me that they could take roman and jay to wrestlemania where jay finally beats him uh, maybe somehow winning the royal rumble against the odds um i'd love to hear your ideas on thoughts on this happening and if so how would you write it i think for me drew the the jay storyline isn't the it's not a storyline where Jay eventually wins the title at the end of the at the end of all of this. I think this is very much just a stepping stone to get over this Roman character to build him up for his eventual matches against the Fiend and possibly the Rock. Like if there's going to be a member of the family that beats Roman, it's going to be the Rock. Yeah, I see this whole Jay thing. Like this is it. Like they he went and he gave him you know a long lengthy match, so it wouldn't just be a quick squash. I don't see anything more coming out of this. I just I think this was really just to really amp up Roman Reigns as a heel. Yeah, uh, Iraqli, what do you think is Vince McMahon's favorite movie? 
<laughs> what was the movie you just mentioned then? It's probably that one. Uh, what, did size? I mention the movie? What did I say? Yeah. Life Size, did you say? With Tyra oh, Life Banks Size and... with Tyra Banks and Lindsay Lohan. That's Vince's favorite movie. <laughs> I don't know what his favorite movie could possibly be. But... <laughs> I'm going to say it's Life Size. I'm going to say it's, it's Life Size. And it makes him cry, just like it made Denise Salcedo cry. There you go. Life Size is his favorite movie. Let's go with that. Give me, give me a one-line pitch of Life Size so I can check it out over the weekend. Okay, so Life Size. <laughs> I'm so excited. Basically, uh, from what I remember, Lindsay gets a Barbie doll and she and she basically, I don't know, I forget if she wishes for it to come true, but Tyra Banks is a Barbie and she comes to life. Okay, that's all I remember is that she comes to life and then they have like a great friendship and it's just really oh. great, okay? Like it's heartwarming. Yes, you got to see it. You got to check it. this out. I love it. Absolutely love it. And because like it's early Lohan, I mean it's early nineties. I'm in yeah, for it. Yeah. Or maybe you made LA nineties. Like I hope it was Lindsay Lohan. Why am I blanking? All right, I'm gonna search that up while you continue on. <laughs> I was gonna say you you double check that just before we go. Yeah, Chris Duncan. Sure, because I'm forgetting now. Yeah, Chris it Duncan. is Lindsay Lohan. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Chris Duncan, uh, be interesting to hear your thoughts on the amount of referee botches in wrestling recently, mainly in WWE. First, the Mickey James incident, Ivar's injury, and Gaza's injury, um, with the commentators confused of how the finishes went. Do you think the referee should just come out during the match and say if someone is legit injured to their com uh, opponent's teams, uh, say we have to finish the match early? There just seems to be a lack of communication between the refs and wrestlers. I mean, Chris, you're basically on the money. The referees are told you need to end this match early, and the referees are telling people the match has to be ended early, you know, but it's the problem is from what I can gather, they've only told the people who are getting the pin that the match is ending early and not the people they're pinning. Hence why Mickey looks shocked when uh, they call for the bell, why uh, Ricochet kicked out and why Gaza, uh, sorry, um, Andrade kicked out. I think it's the referees are telling one person, but not the other party. And they're not informing the commentators either. So, I, and, I, and I honestly, I don't know why, but I, uh, in this, I don't blame the referees in any of this. Do you not? You don't feel like they're panicking? Oh, I think they're panicking. Yeah. And I, I, I do blame the referees for not telling the other person. But like, it's surely the, uh, in terms of the commentary, I remember more for the commentary team. Sorry, I should have been more clear. Oh, okay. that. Like, like the backstage people should be telling the commentators the match is coming to an end early because of x y and z cover for it in on, on that but like you don't you wouldn't have to cover it on commentary if andrade and ricochet weren't kicking out i'm curious I don't, I don't know if this may be the case but i'm wondering if maybe you know obviously you know the refs are essentially you know instructed to ref like it's a shoot meaning like the guy's shoulders weren't down then don't count the three even if it was the finish but now it looks like it like if they're refing refing like they know the finish in advance so maybe there's they're taking it home early they're panicking or you know if things don't go the right way so i think that might be the issue but i don't know but it's so weird how i feel like we didn't really get we didn't really see this many mistakes before and now i feel like we've been seeing it consistently and it really really stood out to me in that mickey james match i mean i still don't i don't i don't know if they ever came out with some sort of legit because they didn't right some sort of consensus right. as to what really happened it was really just hearsay yeah mickey was on tv the following week she was against um as vega so clearly she wasn't massively injured right yeah. exactly so it, so you could take injury out of the picture so i it, it was definitely from from what i recall seeing it was definitely a mistake on the referee's part but who knows 
Who knows? Uh, Lynn Bell, hope everything is well. Denise, I loved your reaction at the very end of your Raw review with SRS when he cursed. Priceless! Uh, especially, uh, you, it was shown at the stream went off the air, freezing on your reaction. Loved it. I've got more of a comment than a question, and it probably should have been in last week's mailbag, but I needed to build up the courage to make this comment public. For more than a week now, I've been looking at different opinions on the Retribution names, and I'm going to bring something up that I haven't seen mentioned yet. Warning, sensitive topic coming up, and don't worry, I'll make sure to use words that won't get your channel flagged for inappropriate content. Thanks, Lynn. Um, when I hear the name Mace, I automatically think of the product used by people to defend themselves against attacks. It's used by all genders, I know, but it is generally associated with being used by women against attacks of nature uh, relating to the speaking out movement. The speaking out movement and the fallout of it still fresh in people's minds and the allegations against current talent that are still called, causing controversy today it's in poor taste to have a wrestler with a gimmick name Mace. I feel like it can actually trigger something in survivors who have or are working so hard to find a way to live with what happened to them. With the whole retribution gimmick being attacking people, if that actually is their gimmick, I think it needs to at least be mentioned that some people have that kind of association with that name. I am not touching Slapjack with a 10-foot pole. Mace is bad enough. Yeah, it's interesting. I didn't put that connection together with Mace because I'm a D&D player. When I hear Mace, I think of what I think that the Mace is actually named out of, which is, you know, sort of like a very archaic weapon of, you know, the ball with sort of spikes. Now, that was my first thought. No, I actually had the same exact thing. The Mace, like the, the, the spray thing that you right, yeah. for attacker. So I actually thought about it in that sense, but I didn't go as far to maybe associate it with, you know, people maybe suffering from PTSD over an attack or something that may have happened. I didn't connect it that far, but that's what I was thinking in terms of Mace. But I didn't really put that much thought into it. I mean, I knew that everything was named, you know, or, or not named, but inspired, I guess you can say, by some sort of weapon. I think this is the understanding of it. And so I didn't put that much thought into it. But I do think with situations like this is that you can't really say that something specific would trigger somebody because you don't I feel like anything could have happened in anybody's life and anything can trigger some bad emotion depending on whatever it is so yeah I get it Mace is like a you know he made this connection of Mace but I don't necessarily think that it might be that common for people to you know get a nervous reaction over it because I mean you can really have a nervous reaction over anything. I know this woman who's terrified. Well, I don't know this woman, but this woman told my grandma that she's terrified of the moon. Okay. And I thought, who is terrified of the moon? And I started thinking, oh my God, there's probably all these people that are terrified of certain things because they associate it with maybe something that happened in their life. And I get it because we all have our phobias. Like me, I'm afraid of like large bodies of water. Why? Because one time when I was a kid, I was like drowning. So, I mean, everything is different. Like anything can trigger anything in somebody, like a response in somebody. If I remember correctly as well, on our Extreme Rules reaction, aren't you like afraid of holes and things like that? I have that phobia. (laughs) I hate it. Oh, I hate it. I was I was at my like well pre-COVID. I was at a party at my aunt's house, and uh, her she had this like the the heater on, and it started burning the pole of the the pole of the 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 curve the pole that was there. So it started burning mm-hmm. a pole, right? And the paint started chipping off, and it formed all these little circles. Oh my god, I'm getting chills about it. And I I I left the party after that. I couldn't handle it. <laughs> bothered me so much i was like i need to go home i went home right after that happened (laughs) because i can't like it's a horrible phobia 
Oh, Denise, you're one of my favorite people on this planet. Uh, Ked says, what's up, Wrestle Talk? Um, do you think matches like Steel Cages and Hell in the Cells would be better if they didn't have a door? I think cage matches certainly would, because uh, I hate the doors on Steel Cage matches. I hate this idea. Like, I don't think there's any drama in someone walking towards a door and stepping out of it. Like, surely the drama is climbing over the cage. Stepping out of the door just seems so lame. And the same thing always happens. Somebody's on the outside. Somebody's head gets smashed in between the doors. I do think that without the door would be a lot better because then it would just give the, you know, the illusion that two guys are really just trapped in there like caged animals and they have no choice but to kill each other before they can come out. And there is no door. There is no option for survival. Absolutely. All right. I got really into that. <laughs> Christian Baltimore says first of all congrats to Denise Salcedo for your new role with Wrestling Observer um, Denise now that you're currently working with Luke Owen, Sean Rossap and Brian Alvarez which member of the Shield would each one of them be one has to be the architect one has to be the lunatic fringe and one has to be the big dog jam that jam yes please get rowdy well, oh I mean, this is a question God. for you man I would say the architect maybe Brian I would say he came before me and Sean. Dog. He has to leave. Yeah. I would say the big dog Sean, just because I feel like that would be something that he would go with. And I would give you the lunatic fringe for sure. Because <laughs> I be feel like you would go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the I'm, I'm the yeah, I think that completely makes sense. Brian, Brian laid the path for all of us. Sean is like one of the best reporters, if not the best reporter out there at the moment. Um, uh, which which leaves me with Ambrose. I'm happy with Ambrose. Ambrose no. cool. Okay, I gave Sean Ross Sapp the big dog because I feel like that's a name he would want to claim. I don't know why. <laughs> I feel like he would be. I would. I feel like he would be proud going around saying I'm the big dog. <laughs> the, the big dong. Uh, recent. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> Uh, I hope you're both doing well. Big congrats to Denise and her new role with Wrestling Observer. Um, can we all agree that Kraut should not, and thus hopefully, uh, hopefully will not, return in full to wrestling anytime soon? But when they do, uh, as two people versed in both uh, mainstream and indie wrestling, is there any chant you're looking forward to hearing again? And is there any you'll be happy to never hear again? Hmm. I think this depends on what your favorite chant is. What's your favorite chant? Well, I mean, as a, a British wrestling um, fan, like we are, we are good for our chance. And it is like getting involved with um, it, it's like, there are so many, it's like, we've got loads for Zach. Oh, Zach Sabre Jr. Okay. Yeah. Like that's that sort of thing. Like will always run through my head. Tyler Bate, Tyler Bate, Tyler, Tyler Bate. Na, 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 and being like amongst all of this crowd, um, I mean, yeah, there's there's loads of like wrestling chants that I do miss, but the one I never ever want to hear again is what I. I like oh, it's time. No, it's time for it to go. It's been 19 years that we have been ruining promos by chanting what. It's never gonna go away. Uh... We're gonna be long gone, Luke. Long gone, and it's still gonna be happening. <laughs> speaking of, speaking of long gone and still happening whenever a table break happens and people chant ecw the company's been dead for 20 years get over it like it's so <laughs> some people can't get over it like i like people can't get over certain things like dying especially if they were like a big fan of it i i've noticed yeah. that about people but okay so my chant 
because this is my favorite wrestling chat, and I use this in my daily life, is the UF'd up chat. I don't know if I can say that <laughs> word on here, so I just cut it down to UF'd up. I love that chat. That's wow. my favorite chat, and whenever anybody messes up in life, in real life, I will use that chat for them. <laughs> That's good. Is there anyone you don't want to hear? No, I think I like everything. I don't think anything really bugs me. And I'm, if there is, I probably just, it doesn't bug me hard enough to where I remember it. <laughs> Uh, Marcus Campbell, hey, Team Danuk, with the draft coming up. Um, what moves are you expecting to see? Have you got any predictions? I think in terms of moves, maybe I would like to see AJ Styles go back to Raw because we were talking about Drew McIntyre needing more opponents. There's one for you. And maybe Randy Orton to SmackDown, but babyface Randy Orton to SmackDown to uh face up against roman reigns heal roman reigns okay i think you might be on the i think you might be on the money with aj though like i think aj going across to be a challenger for drew i think it's such a good idea actually particularly now he's not the ic champ um you know move sammy sammy and jeff into their own program yeah i think that's a really really good move or even like jeff moving across to like be a challenger for drew as well yeah definitely I, i don't have any big predictions for this year's though because like I'd like to see the Hurt Business and Apollo Crews and his mates get separated. I'd like to see some, like, like you know, even if it's just yeah, Ricochet. The Hurt Business, though, since they've sort oh, of been sure. like a big focal point. Ah, no, I just want Crews and his mates to be. Oh, basically, okay. what I want, is, I want the Hurt Business to stop feuding with Apollo Crews because they've been oh, doing it for so, so long now. I'm, I'm ready for that to be done. And I feel like the only way it can be done is that they're on different shows. So I'd like to see Crews or Ricochet or whoever moved over to SmackDown. I want to, I want the Hurt Business day on Raw, though, because that's the show I review. And I really like the Hurt Business. I think they're so awesome. So you're being selfish. You want the Hurt Business. Oh, yeah, of course I am. Oh, Denise, when we were doing the Clash of Champions review, I was thrilled when Drew Gulak won the 24-7 title because I was like, ah, Pete, it's on your show now. It's on SmackDown, you big dumbhead. Like, it's on your show now. And it Drew won it back. I know. It's so annoyed. Back and it didn't even make any sense as to why it was that, even bro. back in the first place. Hey, that's the other one I'm going to say. Then I want Truth to go to SmackDown and take that stupid belt with him. I don't want it anymore. Um, <laughs> Alex Kirkman says, loving the content as always. My question is, is there any hope for King of the Ring? I love a good tournament and think that done properly, it can be a brilliant springboard for talent. A one-night King of the Ring eight-man tournament like it originally was. I always thought WWE should take it seriously and maybe treat it like a Royal Rumble where the winner gets a title shot, which is how it actually used to be. But I don't think they've taken it seriously for years. It's a real shame. Um, your thoughts on King of the Rings and is it too late to salvage? Vince hates tournaments. Like that is basically it. Vince doesn't like tournaments, so they're never going to be taken seriously. I used to love it, the King of the Ring, like 98, 99, 2000, 2001, where it was like you won King of the Ring and that earned you a title shot at the next pay-per-view. I always loved that. And you weren't saddled with being this king gimmick. You didn't have the crown and the scepter and become a comedy goofball. But they haven't taken it seriously for years. Like the King of the Ring now is just to create a new king gimmick and that's it like you know king corbin's been king corbin for over a year now everyone and there's not a snifter of it ever going away so it's never going to be taken seriously i'm afraid i honestly i feel that the last person it may have even elevated was probably brock lesnar and oh yeah but even then it's not like he really needed it he was still on his way to becoming a superstar a mega ultra superstar but I, if anybody, that would probably be like the last person that it did any favors for. But yeah, it, for everybody else, it's just been like a hokey 
King Corbin situation. Uh, Daniel says, hello from Baltimore. For the past couple of months, I've been going through and watching episodes of WCW Thunder, as well as the pay-per-views. And the one thing I've noticed for the most part, WCW never really changed their championship belt designs. And of course, there's a couple of exceptions, um, but by the most, they would change. Uh, they were kept the same until they were changed or absorbed by WWE. My question is, if WWE never changed a championship belt design, which version of the current championships would you like to be the design for that title for example my pick for the ic title would be the white strap design sorry for the long question love all the content my drive to work is a lot better with wrestle talk in it thank you very much daniel my simple answer to this is this belt that i've currently got on my shoulder here this this is the best wwf championship they've ever had this design obviously you can't really see it because it's got the big jam that jam sticker over it this is the the triple h belt as i often call it this is my title. Like this is the, the WWE title. I think it looks the most prestigious. I, it's my favorite championship design. Not ex you know, not including the, the United Kingdom Championship, which I think is bloody lovely. Yeah, you know what? I agree with you because I love that one too. But I do like the idea of the white strap belt. Oh, I love white strap belts. Like you can fool me. Like you can make it like a little bit ugly in the front, but as long as it got that white strap, like I could, I could look the other way a little bit. <laughs> Uh, that guy who wants to sport says hi uh, Luke and apparently the only person in wrestling YouTube to have good taste in candy bars Denise Hershey's over Kit Kats every day boo you that guy who wants to sport Hershey's kisses are terrible it's scientifically proven for Brits <laughs> anyway I've been thinking about this for a while do you think that JR actually enjoys the AEW product not trying to take anything away he's the greatest commentator of all time but do you think he's just past his prime he's just there to pick up the check also, who is your favorite commentator today, and why is it Kevin Kelly? Have a great weekend. Good luck to Denise in F4W. You're absolutely right. Kevin Kelly is the correct answer. I love Kevin Kelly's commentary. Dude is amazing. I've spoken about JR a lot. I don't like salty JR. I, I think JR just sort of actively burying the product when he's there. Just it, it, I do not like it. It's not for me. What are your thoughts on, on JR? I, in the nicest way possible, we've seen all that we can get out of him he hasn't done anything different i think the fact that he's now in a new company i don't like hearing the same things that we were hearing when he was in wwe all those years i feel that he needs to come up with some new verbiage you know i, I don't want to mm -hmm. hear the same things over and over so i i don't think that he doesn't enjoy the product i do think he does enjoy the product and what he's seen but it's just not it's not creative anymore i think that we've gotten all that we can get out of him and i think that we i would like to hear some new voices some 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 new people that maybe i don't know of or haven't heard of before i would love to hear new people and get their you know but then again jr is a legend so i do get i get that i get why he's there but i do think that we've gotten just about all that we can get from him but yeah i um adding to the commentators list i do like don Callis. i do like josh matthews as a commentator i think rocky romero has also been doing a really oh, yeah. great job on commentary um i love all the fun facts that he's been adding uh for the g1 i mean he just comes up with some good ones where i'm like oh okay that's interesting like i remember uh for ishi he was saying how like ishi gets the most rest when he's in the bus like he actually relaxes and i don't know why but that one fun fact really stuck with me <laughs> yeah i am um, i love kevin kelly fun story uh, of kevin kelly 
Um, I unfortunately was not there to see this, but Ollie has told me this in great detail. But when um, New Japan, it wasn't last year, it was the year before when they were doing their tour with um, Ring of Honor. Um, Ollie was there to like, because uh, Rest Talk had like a meet and greet section um, at the sort of in the pre-show area. And Ollie on that day, you know, he met Okada, he met Suzuki, he met a lot of the New Japan guys, but was too afraid to meet Kevin Kelly because he basically marked out and just like he fanboyed and could not face Kevin Kelly. He was like, I'm, I'm too scared to meet him. No, that, oh my God, that is an awesome story. Have you ever gotten so nervous that you didn't want to meet somebody? I don't think I ever have. Like, okay, when I was a um, a teenager, I went to a HMV signing where Bam Margera was um, signing. Oh, uh, Bam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they did like that. I think they released like a box set here in the UK of um, like the first, like the, yeah, it was the first three seasons of Jackass or it was like the best of like the first three seasons. I've actually still got the box and Bam was like at this HMV doing a signing. So I went down there to get that signed and my copy of CKY I had on DVD. And I was so, so nervous to meet him because I was such a jackass fan i was such a cky fan i was so so nervous to meet him and i the photo i've got with him i look like such an idiot i've got this <laughs> dumb goofy smile on my face oh I, I don't even know where the photo is anymore because i hate it so much i never wanted i'd never want to share it out ever again that's the worst when you take a really happy photo but then you look awful that's how i felt with my first oh. picture with jericho i look so horrible i don't want to share that picture. So i get what you mean by that Oh, dude. And it was like, it was in the days of pre-digital. So I had to go and get that processed. I had to go and get get it from the photo store. And like the, the heartbreak I had that like four <laughs> weeks after I had that photo taken and I get it processed and I look at it, I'm like, oh man, I look like an <laughs> idiot now. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> I feel oh, so bad. That was the absolute worst. And I've never met him again. I've never seen him since. So I've you never know, even had a second go at it. No. You know, my fear if I ever meet Taylor Swift that I'm gonna look so <laughs> ugly in the picture because I know I'm gonna have the biggest smile and when I smile really big my eyes like go like this so they're practically mm -hmm. gone and so my cheeks go all the way up here and I turn really red and I was like oh I'm gonna look so ugly in my picture with Taylor but I'm gonna be so happy but I'm gonna look so ugly so I feel you on this one and also I had a Bam Margera skate uh skate but skateboard skateboard a like skateboard. Yeah, I was like a skateboard, a skateboard in eighth grade, but I never had any wheels on it. I just had the actual board <laughs> because I liked oh, yeah, them. Yeah. And I didn't even ride the skateboard, but I had it for like the longest time. I thought I was so cool with my Bam Margera. Oh, yeah. uh, skateboard. Oh, we were all so we were all so cool with our Bam Margera merchandise. I had I had a t-shirt that was like three sizes too big for me because that was the style at the time. Um, I've got much better photos of me meeting Ryan Dunn and Steve-O on um, the Steve-O's tour he did. He did a show in Liverpool. I met them, like me and my cousin got there about like four hours before the show started. And um, Steve-O and Dunn pulled up in their van to like record some stuff for the DVD they were doing. So we got to have a chat with them and got our photos taken. And they were super cool and super nice. So I looked wow. much better in those photos and I still had my long hair at that point as well. Um, I had my long hair for the band photo, but I had it pulled back into a ponytail, which does not help the photo. Um, Java JJ says, hello team Danuk. My question is, does AEW do too many gimmick matches? Have a nice day, jam that jam. I don't think they do. And if they do, I certainly haven't noticed. Like, I think they're good at promoting them to make it feel like they don't do a lot of them. Like the, what was it, Mimosa Madness? Madness? Oh, I, I don't even know anymore. 
I loved it. I, I on our prediction show, I called that, and I quote, "effing genius." Because really? one of the one of them is based around orange juice. The other one is based around bubbly. It's a mimosa. Oh, genius! Loved it, <laughs> and I thought the match was great. You know what? I I think it like I, I like I don't mind gimmick matches. All right, I, I'm that person. I don't mind them, uh, so I won't say that they do too much. But then again, that's just me. I can see other people that just want to watch, you know, just straight wrestling. They don't care about the, you know, extra, you know, razzle dazzle. They don't care about any of that. So I think it really just depends on the person and what they want out of their wrestling. Like if they just want straight wrestling, then maybe AEW isn't always for that person. But if you're into the, you know, the entertainment and the quirky stuff, then yeah, AEW is a little bit more for you. And lastly, from Callum, who says, hey, Team Danuk, with Raw being so bad at the moment and SmackDown being so amazing, do you think that could all change in the draft when the picks come in? Uh, also, as a side note, is NXT involved in this one? Because I haven't heard many people say that it is. Thanks. Yeah, I think from reports, NXT isn't involved in this year's uh, draft. So I don't know. But yeah, I mean, you're shaking your head. So I, I don't think that NXT I is involved so. this year. Um, so I don't but, like, think they're involved, but I think they're going to be okay okay interesting i um i think that things will stay the same um srs was talking about this on five four select that vince and co are really high on smackdown at the moment like that's the show that they're most invested in which is why the show ends up being so good and raw ends up being so like sort of forgotten about so i think even when the draft happens they're still going to be so into smackdown that the show will still get the most attention put upon it so i really don't think things will change even post drafts isn't that weird, though? Because Raw has always been considered the A show, the main show. Yeah. It's kind of weird, huh? Oh, yeah. I mean, it will change in six months' time. Like, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll change their mind eventually. Denise, we've had some more emails in about food questions and food suggestions. I can't believe how popular our food opinions are. Isn't that crazy? It is indeed. So this one comes in from Reese, who says, Hey, Team Danuk, hope you're having a wonderful day. Seeing the original tweet from Denise a month ago about supposedly UK foods that she'd been said, including Welsh lamb and mint potato chips, I've been trying to think of suggestions of foods she likely won't have tried that could be sent over. Now, ironically, my two food suggestions I personally don't enjoy, but I am a proud Welshman, so I have to feel that I've got to mention them. Barabath, uh, feel free to butch the pronunciation. I, we get the Welsh is hard and English name is, is, the English name for it is speckled bread and Welsh cakes uh, that are both effectively bread-based snacks cooked with fruit and occasionally seaweed in the case of the former. And while I don't personally enjoy them, I can guarantee they're a more accurate taste of Wales than a lamb and mint crisp. On the subject of British sitcoms, um, has anyone um, recommended Only Fools and Horses to Denise yet? If not, I will. It's funny. Recommendation done. Keep up the great work. Always love listening to the show. Genuine highlight of my week from Reese. All this talk about food, man. Now I'm hungry. I, and uh, Even if they're flavors that I don't know about, I'm thinking about them. And I hadn't heard of that show whatsoever before. Oh, oh, it's a staple classic of um, British. It's like it was like big in the eighties and like into the nineties. Um, yeah, it is like the British sitcom. I would say, like you know, like that and Porridge and Open All Hours. But people always go back to Only Fools and Horses, Del Boy and Rodney, yeah, and Granddad and Uncle Albert. Oh yeah, people. Are those love like it. your I Love Lucy's, like the, your Brady yes. Bunch? 
Oh, 100%, yeah. Like, if there's ever a compilation of, like, the funniest moments in British comedy, Only Fools and Horses, Del Boy falling through the bar will always be in the top 10. And and genuinely, it is very funny. Um, but yeah, so I, I would hardly give a recommend to that. It is really good. And, like, it's it's nice. It's like a heartwarming story. Should have ended at one point, but it, they did carry on. Um, Don't they always? <laughs> the good shows for- always end abruptly, and then the and then the other ones, they just drag. Oof, I can't, I, don't get me started on that final season of Dexter. I hate it with a passion. Or the final season of That 70s Show. Should have stopped it. Oh, um, God, yes. That final season of That 70s Show, like, what were they thinking? I Honestly. was very disappointed in it. It was such a, I think that's one of the shows where I really only watch the early seasons, like when I watch reruns. And once it's the older episodes, I'm like, oh, it's the older episodes. Skip. I'm not interested in watching this more than once. Exactly. You lose Topher Grace, you've lost Ashton Kutcher, and now you're doing a relationship between Fez and uh, Mila Kunis. Get out. Not <laughs> having it. Um, Barabirth, I, oh, Barabritha, I think it might actually be. I will have butchered that pronunciation. So my uh, my wife is half Welsh. Um, her mum is, is from Wales. And at our wedding, I was going to do a bit of my speech in Welsh because the Welsh side of the family are Welsh speakers. And I spent uh, nearly a year trying to learn how to say just a few sentences and I could not do it. I even reached out. I had people come to me on Twitter to give me like help and sort of like try and coach me into it. I could not do it. I was really, really bad. Oh, it's so hard. Yeah. Like there's a lot of like, it's basically all consonants with very few vowels. And it's yeah, I could not wrap my head around it. But I think I'm Welsh right now. Any I can't any words. Well, I mean, well, uh, Cymru, I believe, is how you say Welsh, which is C Y. How do you spell Cymru? But yeah, I, 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 Cymru is about the only thing I can do. Um, and what's the other one I did know? Confun um, e Cymru, I believe, is Tales for Wales, and I only oh, know that because there's a. There's only a, the only reason I know that is because there's a radio show where they, if they do a coin flip, he will pick Tales for Wales because he is Welsh and say confront e Cymru. I believe that's how you say it, but it's probably wrong. I'm bad at languages though. Like when we've had people send in things that are in Spanish or like or like there are wrestler names that are like fully Spanish, I'm so bad at it. I just I I can't wrap my head around it. Oh my gosh. Okay, let's try some. Can you say Andrade? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I would just say Andrade. But, but I, 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 I would say like the Spanish way or like. Um, but like Rey Mysterio, but Rey Mysterio. <laughs> You're like, I always, thought, I always sound like I'm taking the piss though. Cause it's just like, is it Rey Mysterio? Yeah. Like Rey Mysterio. The rolling of the eyes. So it's like, yeah, Rey Mysterio. I do like I'll say the piss then. I, I, I rolled too much. Cause I was like, Rey, uh, like, Rey Mysterio. Santo. Oh, there we see. Oh, you, uh, you know what? Say it again. Say it again. Let me hear that again. Rey Mysterio. <laughs> You know what? It's not bad at all. I like how you pose, though. You like you do this pose, like Rey Mysterio. <laughs> I feel like I have to. It's so like it's it's very colorful. Um, I noticed this last week when you said Lucha Libre, and like you did like in the yeah. Oh, it, I, I was I've never heard it actually said that way before because like you know I'm you know, white and British. I'm just like Lucha Libre, mate. <laughs> I know it's so funny like when I hear people like Americanize certain words and sometimes even I do it too like I obviously know how to say the Spanish the Spanish way or the you know with the Spanish dialect or Spanish accent whatever but there are certain words like Rey Mysterio I always say Rey Mysterio like I never do the Spanish version of that and there's other words too where it's you know 
I'll say the the English version, even if I know the Spanish version. But yeah, it, it's pretty interesting because like, yeah, you know, it, I for me, it's so natural. And here in L.A., almost everyone speaks Spanish. So it's very interesting to me when people are like, oh, that's so cool. Like, I feel special that I know Spanish when people don't know Spanish, because here you're not special. Like here, if you speak Spanish, you're really you're not a big deal. Everyone speaks Spanish down here. But yeah, it's yeah. I mean, totally. Like, so I mean, because we've had this before, where we've had, you know, there's a lot of like uh, Spanish and Latino influence over in the states, but we don't really have that here. So, like, I I've never really known anyone who speaks Spanish as a second language or has like come from sort of like either end of that world. So, like, I've never, I've never, it's never been a part of my life. So therefore, oh my I've god, am I your first? You're the you're the first I'm your person. First ever. Mexican, woo. <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. Okay. I've never been good at it. Are you um are you a native speaker? Are you are you bilingual or is it just you know bits and pieces? So I learned both English and Spanish at the exact same time because you know I lived with my grandparents and they only speak Spanish. But in school I learned English, so that's obviously the the language that I'm like best at. But and that's I would consider obviously my native language, but. Because I know Spanish, sometimes you can hear the accent or like, or sometimes I'll have complications with certain words. Or like when I said sitcom, <laughs> that's probably due to my Spanish. But um, but yeah, uh, like I'm very, very fluent in Spanish, though. Very, very fluent. Oh, that's so, yeah. so cool. I've always wanted to be able to speak a second language. I did like, I, I did German at school um, at, for GCSE. And I got a B. It was one of my better grades that I got. But I can't remember a single word of it. Like I'm really, I get all of it has gone out of my out of my memory. Wow, what a waste of a B! What a waste, right? Of a Luke. That was, one, that was one of the few good grades I got. I was very bad at school. I got four Bs, one C, three Ds, and a U at, at GCSE. A U? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. For graphics, I can't draw. But what's a U? Uh, ungraded. Oh wow, they do that. That's yeah. Crazy. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> you think we get just like an I for incomplete, but I've never gotten a U. Well, they don't do U's here that I know of, mm -hmm. or they didn't do it in my day. <laughs> yeah, no, a U, ungraded. I was very, very bad at graphics. Can't draw. I only took it because my mates did, and I basically just wanted to hang out with them at school. And I didn't really know what else to take. I just panicked. It was like, oh, graphics, I guess. Oh, no, it's drawing. Deary me. <laughs> um, uh, this comes in from uh, Deke, who says, Hi, Luke and Denise. I'm a fan. Uh, I, it's the only Samil fan of wrestling again, uh, or Somali fan, I should say. I decided to take your recommendation of watching old wrestling movies and TV shows, but the problem when it comes to wrestling is, where should I start? I didn't watch wrestling before 2010 whatsoever. By the way, I watched Buffy, and I would say seasons two and three are awesome, but it doesn't get much better after that, in my opinion. Thank you all, and take care. Well, that's interesting, um, Deke, because... We are currently at season four now, and I'm less into season four than I was two and three. Wait, you're less into season four? I'm, I'm less into season four. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm enjoying it because, like, me and my wife like have fun while we're watching it. But it's, I, I'm less interested in the show, which is a shame because I was so this into season bad. two and three. Yeah, I know. Last week you were like, "This is the best thing ever," and this week you're like, "Well, it's okay." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, recommendations of where would you start with wrestling like for me it's the year 2000 like i would just watch the year 2000 in full because i think it is like top to bottom t to b the best full year of professional wrestling for wwf i think it's it's perfection i find okay so 
when I started watching, obviously, you know, I started watching like late 99, 2000. So I watched everything like from then and on in order. And everything that I watched prior to that was so out of order. I mean, I watched one thing here that happened in one year. And then I watched something else that happened in another year, like so not in order whatsoever. But I would suggest that the best way to start would be um, actually watching like compilation videos, like, you know, like the best stuff, like those types mm -hmm. of videos, watch that and sort of pick and choose what you want to like dive more into, like what feud where did you see in this video that you're like, you know what, I want to kind of go back and watch that a little bit more and then kind of go from there because I find myself doing that and I find it the best way to sort of, you know, uh, you know, get familiar with things that I might've missed. I was going to say, you were saying that to, to Alvarez when you were on um, Wrestling Observer Live uh last week there that that is how you sort of like that's how you consume your old yeah. wrestling content it's so yeah. much easier for me to do it that way too because it's just like it gives me everything i need to know and then i go back and go okay i want to know more about that or i want to watch this okay that reminded me oh i love this let me go back and watch that so that's how i like to consume it uh before i let you go to these what are your plans for the weekend okay so tomorrow well tomorrow just work all day saturday um, oh God, I think Saturday's my day off. And then Sunday is, um, I'm trying to think, oh, then Sunday NXT TakeOver 31. I was like, I know there's a pay-per-view. I'm talking about it on YouTube. So that's what I'm doing. But what are your plans for the weekend? Do you know what? I haven't got a lot on at the moment. Like it's, and it's nice because like I could do with just like a weekend of not doing something. Um, so I think that's what we're going to do. I think we're going to just sort of like chill out for a bit. I'll probably do some chores around the house, but like predominantly... I'm just gonna chill out um we are tonight we're having a uh, a kfc date um but because we're like you know vegetarian and vegan respectively um linda mccartney has just released like a kfc bucket like but for like a vegetarian version of a kfc bucket so we're gonna do that make our own barbecue beans and some corn on the cobs and some homemade chips and some coleslaw and i cannot wait it's gonna be wicked I'm so jealous. Please send me pictures of that or post them up or something. I want to see that. Oh, dude, it's going to be so great. I'm going to watch that. I'm going to watch a movie. It's October, so it's time for like horror movies. Like this is me and my wife. We bloody love Halloween. That's why we got married around our Halloween. Um, so yeah, we're going to start watching out some horror stuff. So I'm really, really excited about that. But that's pretty much my weekend, man. Sounds like a good one. Sounds like a good one. Yeah. And I hope you all have a good one as well. Thank you all so much for listening, as always. Pete and Randy will be back tomorrow with the SmackDown review. And then I don't think we're going to have a review of TakeOver 31. We may do, but I'm trying to take Monday off because I've got too many days in lieu. Oh, Denise, I've got too many days in lieu. I've got like a whole week of like lieu days on top of the holiday days that I've got that I've not taken yet. So, oh, wow. Oh yeah, we're working a lot. Uh, I need to I need to try and recoup some of those back. But we will try and work something out. But if we don't, we'll be back on Tuesday with the Raw Review Podcast, myself and Ollie Davis. Until then, take care. I love you all. Have a great weekend. Bye, everyone. Mom 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.